love it. That's good. I forgot to share a, a beautiful card that Miss Francis sent. Miss Francis is the queen mama of card. Amen. And uh, I wanted to share this with you. Uh, we thank you bunches and bunches. Thanks to everyone for the expressions of thoughtfulness during our surgeries and recovery. It is a special blessing from God to have a church family that is so caring. May God bless you all real good. Amen. Mickey and Francis. Thank you, sis. We love you. And um, we were just commenting in life groups of how well you've recovered, even though you think it took longer. It's pretty amazing. So we praise the Lord for what he's done in you and Brother Mickey and all of us. Amen. I pray that you've had a fantastic week. Uh, it's been a, um, a kind of a bittersweet week for me. Uh, I got to see mom. That was a good thing. I hadn't seen her in a couple of years, actually. Uh, but then to see the condition that she was in was a little bit heartbreaking. But one of the things that I did while I was there is I got to go to the doctor with mom. <laughs> and uh, you may not think that that's a good thing, but uh, it's a good way to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with your, with your mother. And while I'm sitting there in the doctor's office, uh, I was doing what everybody does when you're sitting there waiting for the doctor. What do you do when you're in the waiting room? You do what? You read magazines, exactly. Well, what started off as something pretty customary I was reading through this magazine, or through several magazines actually, and I discovered that if I want to get healthy, then I need to buy a Nordic track. <laughs> well, I ain't got a Nordic track. Uh, all I have is a membership at a gym. So suddenly I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I'm not as healthy as I thought I was. So I continued to read, and then I read that if I wanted to be stylish, then I needed to buy the 2015 Chevy Camaro. And I reflected back on my 10-year-old Suzuki Forenza and realized maybe I'm not so stylish, amen. But I continued to read and I realized that, that if I really wanted to enjoy the Christmas season, then I needed to dress in all of the fall fashions. And the only way you can do that is to go to Dillard's and get them. Well, I don't go to Dillard's very much, so um, all of a sudden the Christmas season started to lose some luster. Well, it didn't get any better from there because I read that in order for me to be a real man, I needed to go out and buy a zero-turn lawnmower with a 24-horsepower Briggs & Stratton. Sadly, I've got an 18-horsepower Cub Cadet, and the only thing I was thankful for there was that it was cheaper than the Camaro. Amen? So I kept on reading and realized that, you know, I really liked my house until I saw that ad for the new subdivision. And then I also realized, well, I thought that I loved my wife until I saw the Zales advertisement that said, you've got to buy your wife this diamond necklace if you really love your wife. So I kept on reading, and I found out that I can't even be romantic with my wife because you have to do it under Sylvania light bulbs. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? We use GE. Wow. So by the time I got finished, I was really good and depressed. Not only was I depressed, I think I needed counseling. Amen? But uh, I asked myself this question, and maybe you ought to ask yourself this question as well. Do you base your contentment on the things this world offers? In the United States of America, perhaps the wealthiest country in the world we still find tons of people who are unhappy, 
unfulfilled, and unsatisfied. We're the wealthiest country in the world. Why is that? It's because, sadly, a large portion of America doesn't have the real source of contentment. See, the real source of contentment, friend, is Jesus Christ. And you're never going to be content if you have it all. If you had the zero-turn lawnmower, the Chevy Camaro, the diamond necklace, the new house and the new subdivision, if you had the Nordic track, if you had all that, but you didn't have Jesus Christ, you still wouldn't be content. He alone, friend, is what enables us to understand what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, and we're just going to focus on a few verses today. But these three verses give us the source and provide some really good life lessons about capturing contentment in our lives. So let's read in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. Remember, first of all, that the apostle is writing to believers. Amen? He's writing to those who have placed their faith in Christ, and here's what he says. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though surely you did care, but you lacked opportunity. Pay attention. Verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. Say learned. Learned. That's right. I have learned that whatever state I am in, to be content. I know how to be abased. That is, I know how to live humbly. And I know how to abound. That is, I know how to live in prosperity. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned. Say learned. That's right. I have learned to be full and to be hungry. I have learned to abound and to suffer need. And if I can interject a few words here, I have also learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those should be your life verses. And if you were to look at those verses 11 and 12 in the NIV, another version, that verse would say, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. No matter what's going on, I've learned to be content. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Man, I want some of that. Amen? What is contentment? Can I ask you that this morning? Tell me. What is contentment? What is it to be content? Satisfied? Satisfied? What else? Peaceful. Amen. What else? What does it mean to be content? Happy with what you got? Hmm? Not so concerned about what others got? Amen? Uh, Realizing how blessed you are? Amen? Um, Would you say that contentment is carelessness? I can care less? Hmm? Nah. Would you say that contentment is laziness? Hey, man, I'm content. I don't have to change nothing. 
Would you say that contentment is self-satisfaction? Hey, I got it going on. Whatever I got, I'm fine with. Hmm. Maybe we need to understand what contentment is. Because contentment is joy, it's happiness that comes with, from within. It comes from what Jesus Christ is doing in my life. And I want some of that. Amen? I want that. Contentment is not based then on the circumstances that surround me. Contentment is not based on what happens to me. It's something that comes from within. So I need to know how our teams, how can my marriage team, how can my family team, how can our church team, how can your work team enjoy more contentment and more satisfaction in this life? Well, the first thing you need to realize is what Paul said, and I pray that you noticed it in those verses because he said, contentment is learned. Did you hear that? Contentment is learned. It doesn't come in an instant. It's learned. It's not a one-time experience. Contentment, learning to be content is learned. The entirety of our life is one lesson after another lesson in the school of contentment. Learning to be content. But sadly, most people never learn that lesson of how to be content. And you know what happens to them? They die unhappy. They die unsatisfied. And they die unfulfilled. So how can we then learn contentment? How can we learn to be content? Paul gives us three reasons in those short verses there. He gives us three lessons to help us learn contentment for all of our teams. The first one is this. Content teams learn to avoid comparisons. Listen to this little story I read. Two little teardrops were flowing down the river of life, and one teardrop said to the other, Who are you? And that tear replied, I am a teardrop from a girl who loved a man and lost him. Who are you? And that teardrop responded, I am a teardrop from the girl that got him. <laughs> hmm. Life's kind of like that, you know. What you're thinking you want, somebody don't want none of. Amen? What somebody else has got, you may think you want it, but maybe you, in all reality you don't. Comparing yourselves to others, comparing yourself to the Joneses is a dangerous situation. It will always make you discontent. There at the end of verse 11, Paul said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And friend, I want to tell you this morning, that never comes from comparing yourself to somebody else. Amen? There will always be people that make more money than me. Amen? There will always be people who have greater opportunities than I have. There will always be people who have fewer problems than me. 
You know what I say to that? So what? So what? Friend, you've got to learn that what others have or what others don't have has zero bearing on your happiness. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't look around. Look up. Don't compare yourself, spending all that time comparing yourself to somebody else. Instead, keep your eyes on what God has in store for you. And God says, I've got a plan for you. And it's a plan to prosper you. It's a plan to give you a future. It's a plan to give you a hope. So why don't you keep your eyes where the hope is, amen? Don't look around. Now see, there are three misconceptions about happiness. And you need to understand these misconceptions about happiness in order to understand that you need to avoid comparisons. The first misconception is this. I must have what others have in order to be happy. You know, everybody remember what clackers are? Huh? Few of you do. Everybody know what iPhone 6 is? iPhone 6 Plus is? From clackers to iPhone 6 Plus, it's always the same. It's a myth that you got to have it in order to be happy. I remember if I didn't have green clackers, man, I wasn't nothing. Amen? That's what men, that's what fads are all about. That's what trends are all about. That's what fashions are all about. They lead you to believe you can't be happy unless you get them. Don't think that you have to have what others have in order to be happy. Here's the second misconception, and that is, I must be liked by everyone in order to be happy. Hmm, boy, oh boy. Think about this. Even Jesus couldn't please everybody. Why would you try to do something that the Lord Jesus couldn't do? Does that make any sense? Amen. You do not have to be liked by everybody in order to be happy. You don't need everybody's approval in order to be happy. You do what God has told you to do. Here's a third misconception about happiness, and that is this. Having more will make me more happy. That's the biggest misconception of all. Because contentment doesn't come in multiplying your wealth. Contentment comes in refocusing your wants. Y'all hear that? You ought to want what God wants for you. Nothing more and nothing less. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. He said, we have brought nothing into this world, and guess what? You ain't taking nothing out. But if you have food and clothing, let us be content with that. Godliness. Want what God wants for you. Friend, all the possessions that you have in this world are temporary at best. They're just on loan to us. They're just temporary. We use them while we're here on earth. We enjoy them. We have a good time with them. Prayerfully, we use them for the glory of God. But then when we're gone, they're gone too. So whatever you do, don't get an obsession with your possession. Did y'all get that? Don't get an obsession with your possession. Avoid comparing yourself with others. Now, there is a second lesson that we have to learn in order to enjoy contentment on all of our teams. And that is this. Content teams 
Learn to adjust to change. See, life is full of ups and downs, emotional ups and downs, physical ups and downs, mental ups and downs, financial ups and downs. It happens all your life, and that will not change. You see, there's nothing certain in this life except change. What you have today will likely change tomorrow. It may go up, friend, it may go down. But you have to learn to adjust to that change. How well do you handle change? Do you like change? Most people don't. How well do you handle life when things get shaken up a little bit? Do you get a little moody? You get a little frightened? Get a little angry when things get shaken up a bit? Do you get a little bit uptight like Brother Bill does when things get shaken up? Paul says one of the secrets of learning contentment is the ability to adjust to all the circumstances in our life. Whether they be health circumstances or financial circumstances. He adjusted to every circumstance in his life. After all, think about this. Change is going to happen. Whether you like it or not, change is going to happen, right? It's going to happen. Why don't you embrace it and adjust to it? Listen to what Paul said there in verse 12. I know how to live humbly. I know how to live in prosperity. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to be both full and hungry, to abound and to suffer need. He was able to adjust to the circumstances in his life. He says, I've seen good, but I've also seen bad. Friend, you've seen bad and good too, haven't you? You've seen some tough times in your life, but it wouldn't take you long to to focus on some of the good things you've seen in your life as well. So what do you got to do? Well, what did Paul learn? Paul learned that he needed to be independent of circumstances. Circumstances are over here. They're going on. They're ever-changing. But Paul said, I'm independent of my circumstances. There they are. Guess what? I'm the same. I'm still honoring God. I'm still worshiping Jesus Christ. I'm still serving the Lord. Circumstances are changing. I'm staying the same. I'm content with the way God is using me. Now, you need to know something about these circumstances. These circumstances in life, there are three kinds of them. There's the circumstance that you can control and you do control. Things like changing the channel with your remote. Feeding your face when you get hungry. You can control those those circumstances and you do something about them. But there's also circumstances that uh, you can control, but you don't. We established earlier that contentment is not laziness, right? So if I can change my situation for the better, then why don't I get up off my tail and not be content with them, but be willing to use the gifts that God has given me to cause change. Get up and do something about it if God has enabled me to do that. Contentment is not laziness. All right? So there is that circumstance that you can control and you do. There's that circumstance that you can control and you don't. Amen? 
But there's that third kind of circumstance, and that is that circumstance you just can't control. And man, there are tons of them, amen? Lots of those within our life. It is in those incontrollable things, those circumstances that are outside of your control, beyond your power, that you need to learn the strength and power of contentment. To learn contentment. You've done the best you could. And now these things are out of your hands. What are you going to do? Let me tell you a story. Years ago, there was a preacher by the name of Owen Crouch. Owen Crouch was a man of the, the highest integrity, and he had retired on a limited income. Now, some businessmen approached Owen, and they wanted Owen to go into business with them. And so he was kind of excited and as being a retired man. He said he can still get, be used and plug into the business world. And because of his sterling reputation, those businessmen decided they were going to make him the treasurer of the company. So he was all excited, and he was given a decent salary, and his responsibility was to sign all the paperwork for the company and, and fill out all the checks and make sure the bills were paid. However, the company turned out to be a fraud. The businessmen were dishonest, and when the officers of that company were hauled into court, the only man whose name was on the paperwork, the only man that had signed the checks, was, you guessed it, Owen. And as a result of that, Owen went to jail. He hadn't intentionally done anything wrong. But Owen went to jail. So how would you have responded to that circumstance? You didn't do nothing. Could you be content in that circumstance? It wasn't fair. Man, it wasn't even right. It was an injustice that caused him to be in jail. But Owen didn't think about it that way. Instead, Owen saw it as an opportunity to serve the Jesus he loved. And so Owen started this prison ministry, and he began to preach to the prisoners. He began to counsel with the prisoners, and he began to baptize prisoners into the family of God. Although Owen was imprisoned, he lived as a free man doing the work that Jesus had called him to do, willing to live for him, get this, no matter where he resided. That's contentment. Doing what you're called to do, no matter the circumstances. Owen didn't just live for Jesus when things were going well. That's easy to do, isn't it? Owen instead lived for Jesus even when life was unfair. He lived his life for Jesus even when things were difficult. Even when he was the victim of injustice. Friend, for our teams, for our marriage team, our family teams, for our church team, for your work team to enjoy satisfaction, you've got to readily adjust to change. 
and keep doing what God has called you to do, no matter what. People have a habit of saying, I'm okay under the circumstances. Well, that's bull. You ain't supposed to live your life under the circumstances. God wants you to live on top of your circumstances, separated, independent from your circumstances. Do you? Don't live under your circumstances. Get on top of them. But how do I do that, Bill? How do I get on top of my circumstances? Well, you avoid comparing yourself with others for one, and you learn to adjust just to change for another. But there's a third one I want to share with you, and I'll close. Because content teams also learn to apply Christ's power. This is the big one. Instead of depending on my own effort, instead of depending on my own abilities and my own power, I've got to learn to draw on the power of Christ who tells me in his word lives within me. Verse 13 says, I can do everything through him, through Christ who gives me strength. What does that mean, Bill? That means that I can handle when the kids are going nuts. I can handle it when the stock market goes up and down. It means that I can handle my problems because I'm trusting in someone who is in charge of all the problems. I've learned that Paul says I trust an external power source. It's not one of my own. It's God's power. And that's why believers need to know what Paul is trying to teach them here. We need to learn to apply the power of God and not trust in our own abilities. So how do I know when I'm trusting in my own ability? How do I know when I'm depending on my own power? Well, here's what happens when I trust in my own power. I get pooped. Anybody been pooped? Me too. You know what happens when you trust in your own abilities? You get war to a frazzle. Anybody else been war to a frazzle? Me too. Here's what happens when you trust in your own power. You get worn out. You get burned out. And you become ineffective. Fatigue comes from living your life in your own power. Instead of trusting God to handle the issues of life. The translation of that verse in verse 13 uh, from another translation says, there's nothing I cannot master without the help of the one who gives me strength. So I want you to look in the mirror for a second. Everybody give me this right here. There's your mirror. Now let's look in it. Amen. What are you trying to control? What's going on in your life that you're trying to master? Are you trying to master your time? Are you trying to master your mouth? Are you trying to master your temper? Are you trying to master your health? Are you trying to master a bad habit? 
Jesus says, I can master anything with the help of Christ who gives me strength. But without him, you can do nothing. Trying to master those situations in life, it's time to apply the power of Christ. Do you need power for for a big problem you're facing? That Greek word for strength there in verse 13 is the word that we use for dynamite. You want to just blow your problem out of the water? (laughs) How about trusting in the strength of Christ? Paul says, Jesus Christ is the dynamite of your life. Are you applying his power to your problem? You know, Paul once had a problem. It was a big problem. In fact, it was so big that he asked God three times to remove it. He called it a thorn in the flesh. I think it was probably more like a pain in the neck. Amen? Some people actually think that it was his wife. I don't believe that, by the way. So don't repeat it. Amen. Three times. He had to take this problem to God. And he asked him to remove it. But God didn't remove it. Are you hearing me? God didn't remove it. But God did respond to it. And listen to what God told him. My grace. My goodness. My favor, my love for you is sufficient. Apply the power of God to your problem. See, God will allow you to go through problems. He will allow you to go through the challenges. Why? To learn. Say learn. Friend, he wants you to learn that he is sufficient. He's able. He's got all the power. He wants you to learn that he is sufficient and that in your weakness, when you think you don't have any more to give toward this problem, in that weakness you will find his strength. You see, contentment comes when we remember That what God chooses is far better than what I could choose. Trusting in God. And that, my friends, is the real reason why so many people die unhappy. That's the real reason why so many people die unsatisfied, unfulfilled. It's because Jesus Christ is not the center of their lives. And they have no power to apply. They're looking for fulfillment. They're looking for contentment. They're looking for satisfaction. But they're looking in the wrong place. The only place you need to look for contentment is Jesus Christ. So are you dissatisfied? Do you feel unfulfilled somehow? Feel like your problems are just way too overwhelming. Maybe Jesus Christ is not the center 
of your life. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to be satisfied. But maybe you need to learn that lesson of contentment. Or maybe you need to relearn. I found that there's a whole lot of lessons I have to relearn. Amen? Over and over and over again. So maybe we need to relearn the lessons of contentment. Maybe I need to ask myself these questions again. You know, have I learned how foolish it is to compare myself with somebody else? Man, if I compare myself to Billy Graham, I get awfully overwhelmed. Have you learned to begin adjusting to all the changing circumstances of life? You know, a loved one passes away. That's a major adjustment. Things change in the church. The dynamic changes in the church. And, you know, we need to adjust to those changes. Your children grow up and all of a sudden there's this empty nest syndrome. And parents have to adjust to those changes. Maybe there's a new boss at work. Comes busting in. He wants to change all the rules. You've got to change. You've got to adjust to those changes. Here's what I've learned. Contentment really is nothing more than using your eyes properly. If I look down all the time, I'm going to see the earth beneath my feet that I'm going to be buried in one day. If I look around, then I'm going to see a whole lot of people that are in a whole lot worse shape than Bill Barlow. Every Monday morning, I go to a pastor's conference in Sheffield. And I get to the intersection of Court Street and Veterans Drive, and I catch that red light every single Monday morning. I learned this week why. Because on the corner of Court Street and Veterans Drive is the help center. Supported by a number of churches. And I've never pulled in the parking lot. Guess what Billy is going to do tomorrow. Amen. Being content has a way of doing that. Of opening your eyes. Focusing your eyes properly. But you know what? It's not so much about looking down. It's not so much about looking around. Friend, it's about looking up. It's about looking up because then you're going to see a God who loves you so much that he gave his only son to come and pay a price for all the sin in your life. That overwhelms me because my list is long. And for the son of God to come and die for that long list overwhelms me. And the news is this. He did it for all of us, the whole world, the whole world. So have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ so that God will show you the great things he's got in store for you? Not only in the here and now, but in the there and then. He has great things in store. But are you content with what he's already given you? Are you content in what he's already doing 
in your life. If you're not, today's your day. If you don't have this relationship with God that I'm describing, we're going to invite you during this song to come and see what the Bible says about coming to Christ in faith and having a relationship through Him with the God who created you and has all this wonderful, glorious things in store for you. Maybe you need to relearn. <laughs> Maybe you're a Bill Barlow and you need to relearn some of the lessons of contentment. It'd be my joy to pray with you about those, relearning those lessons. Just understand that as I'm praying with you, I'm praying for myself too. God is good. And he's been so good to you. He adores you. He thinks you're the stuff. Amen. Father, while we are in this building in our unworthiness, somehow, some way, you see such great value in us. And it's because you created us to love us. And you created us to teach us lessons about how to love one another. And Father, if we could just capture this idea of contentment on our teams. We truly begin to see how much you love us. Father, I pray that we would reflect that love to many, many others. Lord, we, as one solemn body of believers, declare that we want to be the tools you use to share the love of Jesus across the way and around the world. Thank you for the promise of God that you'll do that if we'll just submit to you. Lord, we do that this morning. And we say thank you for the body and blood of Jesus Christ that saves the believer from their sins and promises heaven for all of eternal life. And we pray it in the only name that is worthy of salvation. The name's Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.